Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Hello, I'm Vivian McNenny, the Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm broadcasting from our newly acquired property, Footlights, in a tiny town called Western Texas. My show is all about dispelling any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It's different for everyone, as you'll hear, from the many parents and graduated students who agree to come and chat to me each week about what goes on around their kitchen tables. Apart from the fact that I'm broadcasting on Tokenet Radio for five years, I live an ordinary life and really do enjoy having my children underfoot as often as possible. If you're new to my listening audience, greetings. Later on, you can pop onto my website, thesociablehomeschooler.com, and browse my podcasts, or you can find me on iTunes. If you're a regular, Thanks for listening. I have a great new show for you this week. In a minute, I'm going to be talking to Tom and Julie Meekins, founders of March 4th Family, where they encourage parents who may be struggling with a son or a daughter with special needs. Now, let's sit down with a nice cup of tea and start with this thought. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, verses 31 to 32. Mark Twain says, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it's stored than to anything on which it's poured. Anger separates us from God when it becomes the focus of our lives. We're all human, and we all get angry. There's no denying that. Slow traffic makes my blood boil when I'm in a hurry. The checker at the grocery store irritates me when she doesn't recognize a crookneck squash or a pound of Brussels sprouts. And heaven help the family member who drinks milk straight from the carton when he thinks no one's watching. Take a deep breath and be tender-hearted, Paul says. Pray for one another, because God loves us all, and our anger deprives us from basking in his deep feeling of affection for us. Do you really want someone to have that much power over you, to cause you to be separated from Christ? Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Feel it, let it go, and move on with God. This week, my blue-eyed cowboy and I journeyed back to the 103-degree heat of Dallas from the steamy 90 degrees of Florida. It was an uneventful flight, except we saw a young man on an electric gyro-board transporter contraption that works in a similar manner to a Segway, only without the handles, and it's a whole lot lighter. He was at the airport in Columbus, Ohio, an out-of-the-way layover for us, but the price was right, and doing a tremendous job weaving in and out of the crowds of travelers. We took sneaky photos and videos to send to our children who called us creepers. We finally got home after seven hours and our oldest son, on a trip from California for a podcasting conference, met us at the airport. We were early, 
landing at 8.30 instead of 9. And so we had our bags collected and were on the curbside as he pulled around. It was wonderful to see him after eight months. FaceTime and Skype are good, but not as touchy-feely as face-to-face. And he drove us home to our new property, which we have appropriately named Footlights because of our love of the theatre. Our dancer daughter and her fiancé met us with a delicious meal of pâté and cheese and sparkling cider. We stayed up until one in the morning. As our oldest said, having been raised so closely, we are never at a loss for things to say. I have to admit that coming back to Texas was slightly disorientating because the last time we'd been home, we were exhausted after unpacking hundreds of boxes and trying to find homes for things just to get them off the floor. The house was lovely and clean, just as I'd left it. Thank you, Dorts. And we had the pleasure of the addition to our household of a cat. Not just any old cat, I must say. This one has a story which I'll be telling a little later on because it's time to introduce you to my guests. I'm delighted to be welcoming Tom and Julie Meekins back to my show this afternoon. Julie and I first met in March of 2010, and right from the start, I could tell she and her husband have a heart for parents, especially those raising children with challenges. In Walking the Talk, they decided to dedicate their professional lives to helping families navigate the scary world of parenting. Tom and Julie became certified in child development and health coaching and in March 2011 started a company called March 4th Family LLC to help other families needing someone who totally understood the struggles they were having. They're also presenters for the National Center for Biblical Parenting. They've been married for 35 years, have four children and in a moment of certifiable insanity chose the homeschooling path and now have four young adults who are doing fabulously. The last time we spoke was in October October 2014. And if you go to my website, thesociablehomeschooler.com, and search for Tom and Julie Meekins, you'll find lots of conversations we've had over the past five years. Tom, Julie, welcome, as always, to my show. Thank hey, you Vivian. so much, Vivian. It's always a delight Great to, to be, be here. here. Thank you. Well, 35 years. The last time we did it was 34, and I thought, gosh, well, quite a while. So maybe you've added another year. Have you yet? We have 36 years now. 36 now in June, and we have a new daughter-in-law as of January. So now we have six children. Oh, good, good. So who got married? Oh, yeah, who got married? Our son, yes. Joshua got married in January, and she is delightful and fits in our family perfectly. And where do they live? They live actually about 10 minutes away from us here in Lynchburg. Well, that's good. And are are they the only ones that live close to you? Yes. Okay. At this point in time, yes. Yeah. yeah, I was just trying to remember because you got Amy with you, right? Yes, yes, of course. Amy and, is with us. And then you got the daughter in Dallas. Yes. And then we have one in Maryland still. Okay, okay, okay. So, still beautiful countryside around where you are? Oh, it is gorgeous. We are loving the mountains. We took a ride into Roanoke the other day, and from Lynchburg to Roanoke, it is absolutely gorgeous with mountains all around. We went from the water. You know, in the Annapolis, Maryland area to the mountains, and they're both, they both have, have their unique beauty to yeah, them. They do. Well, we're in fields. Um, we've got like wheat fields around us and quite a bit of cattle. Wow. Um, our land itself that we're on has a creek that borders two sides, and it's very treed, heavily treed, which is really, really pretty. And I keep looking around thinking, expecting 
you know, um, families to come walking along and setting down their picnic blanket and having a picnic. And then I go, no, they're not going to. It's not a public park. This is not a public place. <laughs> so getting used to that, you know, from, yeah. from the urban. All right. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit about a seminar that you conducted, a parenting seminar that you conducted called Cooperation Consequences and Keeping Your Sanity. So let's talk a little bit about that and um, where you present and, and what your material is about. We are excited about this. We took the training from the National Center for Biblical Parenting, and it is their material that they've um, created over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And they've put together, and they've done a lot of different books. They're authors of lots of different books, Scott Transky and Joanne Miller. And this one particular seminar is pretty awesome because it teaches parents um, how to teach their children to follow instructions. And everything that the National Center for Biblical Parenting does is about the heart because often the way that we discipline our children if we've not been trained has to do with behavior modification. Mm -hmm. And this material is all about reaching the heart of a child, and that's what we love about it. So uh, you say behavior modification. So that, that what does that mean? When you think about when you're training a dog mm -hmm. and you, ex you, you give a command and you expect that command to be uh, received and... You, that the dog obeys, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of do that with our children. And it might not necessarily have anything to do with building a relationship with them. So we say, you know, clean up your stuff, clean up your room, clean up your whatever, um, put that away, do this, do that. And it's like we're barking orders. Mm -hmm. But when you come from the point of view of wanting to raise up a desire in the heart of a child to obey because that's the biblical mandate. That's what God calls us to do. We want to teach them to obey us so that they understand how to obey God. And the way we do that is we bring the scriptures to them and we bring a way to build relationships. So, for example, um, we were just talking with a client about this last night, the instruction routine. How do we give our children instructions? And, you know, one of the ways to do that is to... Um, there are certain response, certain things the parents do, and then there are certain responses that the child needs to give back. So it's really kind of cool to, to help parents and children to understand what their role is in this, in, with regard to all of this. So, for example, there are five steps for the parent and five steps for the child. So the first step for the parent would be... Yeah, one thing that... Uh, uh, we, we try to do is, is to uh, explain um, relationships, relationships with our children. We're building relationships. So when we go uh, and, and want to talk to our child, we get close to the child. We don't want to bark or yell instructions across the other end of the house or across the parking lot. Uh, we want to show honor and respect for our child and have them come to us or we go to them and so we're talking to them face to face. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step for the parent and then the first step for the child would be to learn to come oh. when called mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little bit of training that has to take place before that and that might be some behavior modification um, but then you move it into they come when called and you're building a relationship with them because you're getting close to them. Maybe on their level. Maybe you you know, kneel down and you're eyeball to eyeball mm -hmm. and you're talking with them as if you honor them as because you do, as if you respect them because you do. Mm -hmm. It's not just about barking water. So that's the first step for the parent and for the child. 
And I suppose with your children, if you let them know beforehand that, hey, we're going here for a certain amount of time, and then when we're finished, we're all going to come home. I'm saying this because I, get, I used to go to the gym a lot with my kids for classes, and they'd be playing, you know, sort of ping pong and stuff like that. And as soon as the kid that was there came out of his class, I would say, okay, children, we're, ho- we're going home. And they would literally stop what they were doing, hand in their little paddles and their ping pong ball and come with me. And parents would say to me, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I thought, well, I suppose right from the beginning, they've known that it's not an open-ended, hey, we're going to the gym to play for as long as you want to. It was more, we're going to the gym and we're going to be there for this amount of time. And during that time, you can do that. And when we're done, we're leaving. (laughs) Yes, yes. And you You practice. You practice. Yeah. And so I think oftentimes what we do as um, as parents is we expect things from our children before we actually teach them and before we actually train them. Mm-hmm. So you probably just did that automatically mm-hmm. and picked it up. Mm-hmm. But some parents don't understand that some children, and especially the ones that Tom and I work with, um, don't always pick it up. No. And so you have to practice, 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 practice. So you have to practice teaching the children to come when called. So if they don't do it naturally, like your children probably did, they just naturally knew, okay, this is what we're doing. We go to the gym. This is the the par for the course. And then it's mm-hmm. time to home. we go home. And some children don't get that right away. Mm-hmm. And so, and it takes a, a lot of effort to do it. So practicing when nobody's emotional, when things are happy, you know, practicing come when called when they're very, very young, you can build that into them. So then when they grow up and they're going to the gym or wherever else, Mom just says it and they come. Yeah. And, it, and and what happens differently in just barking orders and having them come when you do actually get close to the child and build a relationship with them, you're doing that at the same time that you're getting the child to obey what you're asking them to do. So step two would be... Yeah, step two would be consider the timing. Sometimes it's not the best time for a... Uh, a parent to give the instruction to yeah. a child. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the child is uh, in the other room doing his homework, and you've come into the door and you yell the other to the other end of the of the room because uh, something's not done. The trash is not out. Let's mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's not the right timing because the child is uh, doing their homework, and that's yeah. something that you really wanted them to do anyway. So uh, consider the timing. And uh, give the instruction at the proper time after thinking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And then for the child, uh, there the second step is for them to be ready to receive an instruction, mm-hmm. and so that they're always uh, ready to receive an instruction. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and it's important for them to be trained to know that that's appropriate. You know, if mom and dad mm-hmm. ask you for something, mm-hmm. or any person in authority asks you for something, then you need to be ready. Your heart needs to be ready. It's a heart response. Your heart needs to be ready to receive the instruction. Right. With behavior modification, what's interesting is is if you say, okay, uh, uh, come to me and I will give you a piece of candy. Okay, for a younger child, that's probably okay. But as a child gets older, the reward gets more expensive. Yeah. Um, do your homework and uh, I'll take you to a movie. Or And then after a while, it's uh, graduate and I'll buy you a car (laughs) or the child wants more and more. And so then the attitude is what's in it for me 
rather than um, uh, honoring and obeying the parent because that's the right thing to do. And respect, yeah. yeah, respecting authority, and that's important. And not just doing it because um, it's, you know, it, it's all about that, what is bound up in the heart of a child. So when you get a response, you ask the child to do something, and you get a response of, okay, mom, then you know there's something that's not quite right in the heart. Yeah. And so you want to address that, and you want to say something like, uh, well, you know, that might not have been the right response. So you want to try that again? Let's do a do-over here. Mm-hmm. You know, let's have a tr- let's try that again. And until they get that attitude correct, um, they don't get to participate in family life. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to kind of sit over here and, you know, not be involved in relationships uh, with the other family, not be involved in doing what it is that they would really rather be doing than sitting there waiting until their heart changes. And that's another aspect. It's kind of further along in the in the uh, presentation that we give about taking a break as opposed to timing out. Yeah. You know, time out is different because you give them one minute for a one-year-old or five minutes for a five-year-old, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean the child's heart is going to be changed mm-hmm. in five minutes or one minute or 10 mm-hmm. minutes or whatever it is that you give them. Yeah. You want them to come back when they're ready because they know when their heart is changed. Yeah. And if they come back and their heart's not changed and you know it, you can say to them, I'm not quite sure you're ready yet. Let's try that again. Go sit over here. And when you're ready, come back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you, are there choices involved in that? Say you've called them for a meal and they're not hungry and they're right in the middle of doing something that they really like. Do you expect them to come to the table and be there even if they don't want to eat? I mean, you know. Well, I think that part of the training is that there are certain things that we do in family life that are expected of okay. our children and of, and of us as well. You know, and there are options sometimes and sometimes not. I would think that if there is a meal going on, that might not be an option unless it's some kind of a picnic and there's lots of people around and, you know, you have a little bit more option there. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, no, yes. So that is forming a relationship, a family relationship of yes. these are certain things we do as a family, you know, and when they get older, it could be if you're all under my roof on a Sunday, then we go to church together, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it, it kind of would morph into that sort of thing. And, you know, and it makes for a really united, cohesive family, you know? Yes, yes. And we like to think of the word team. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all part of a team and we all need each other. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that you bring to the team that are essential for the rest of the team in order to operate. Mm-hmm. We need your part. You know, and so that's that's about relationship building. And it also trains them for real life beyond our home. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if a 16 year old is working at a store and shelving things and the boss says to him, um, you know, please come over here. I want you to do this other thing. You've begun that particular response in this child way back. Mm -hmm. And the response would be, of course, he's the authority figure or she's the authority figure. I need to do what they say. I need to come when called. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you do what the boss says for you to do. All right. So step three. Step three for the parent is to give the instruction. So now um, we've had two steps uh, before us before we actually give the instruction. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, and then the step three for the child is that the child answers. So you see the preliminary work that you do before you even give the instruction is vital. You know, you're building, uh, like you said, already when your children were at the gym with you, they already knew what was expected of them. Mm-hmm. And so this is the thing that Tom and I bring to the puzzle as well. 
who is your child and how do they receive instruction? Mm -hmm. And do they receive it when you say it once? Do they receive it when you receive it when you say it 20 times? And every child is different and it could it could be disobedience, but it really could be that they can't receive the instruction because of some kind of disability, because of some kind of special need. And so you need to get to know your child and realize where they're coming from when you develop those things in them. And so you may need to practice with them a little bit longer with those first two steps before you actually give the instruction. And then, you know, when you give the instruction, of course, the child's response is that the child answers. So it's usually it's yes, mom, uh, just so that you know that they've heard the instruction. Uh, they answer back, yes, mom, so that you don't come back to them later on and, oh, I didn't hear you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Do you look like your spouse? According to a University of Michigan researcher, if you think you're starting to look like your spouse, you could be right. The study compared photos of couples in their 20s to pictures taken in their 50s and 60s and found the older they got, the more they looked alike. It's believed that couples have a tendency to mimic each other's expressions, which can produce similar laugh or frown lines around the eyes and mouth as they age, thus making them appear to look more like their spouse. It could also be that people use genoclexis when picking a mate. That's choosing on physical appearance. Maybe we want somebody that looks like us. However, also according to research, the more comfortable a couple is in their marriage, the less they look at each other. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm talking to Tom and Julie Meekins, who are the special needs specialists for the National Center for Biblical Parenting. They have their own company called March 4th Family, and we're talking about cooperation, consequences, and keeping your sanity. Now, Tom um, takes us through step four. We've already dealt with getting close to your child before you um, give an instruction. Consider the timing and then give the instruction. So now step four is? Yes. Uh, for the parent, after you've given the instruction, you wait 
patiently. You wait okay. for the child to do what you've asked them to do. And for the child, their, their responsibility is to do the job as if on a mission. And so their, uh, their task is to uh, be excited about doing uh, the command or doing the job uh, that you've given to them to do. You know, when you tell a child that they're on a mission, that's more exciting than you're doing a chore, right? Okay. So, yeah. it, you know, that, that wording sometimes can do something to build the relationship as opposed to I'm the boss and you're the child and go do this thing. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, once you've gotten close to them and you're practicing and you're figuring out um, how to communicate to the child what it is that you really do expect and then wait expectantly. Oftentimes, too, we will give an instruction and then forget about it because we got a million things going on, right? Mm -hmm. And the child is then left to their own devices. And sometimes they will do the, the thing that we've asked them to do. And sometimes, and oftentimes, they will not. And then you get angry with them when you meet up with them again because you have expected that that's done, but you haven't followed through. Yeah. And that's a very important piece for the parents to follow through to make sure that the child is actually doing what you've asked of them. Yeah. Well, the other day I was at the um, airport and there was this family that she had three children. They were sitting at one table and then it was the husband and wife. And of course, they're on their usual <clears throat> iPhone stuff. And um, the three children, they were ready to go. And three children had like, there was a water bottle, there was um, a chip packet and a sandwich wrapper. And they stood up and they were, they were very nice children. And they put on their sweatshirts and uh, got their backpacks on. And mom said to them, okay, clear up your mess and put it over there in the trash. And then she carried on talking to her husband about something. The kids mm -hmm. went off. And as the mom and dad went past that table, they picked up those three items uh, and disposed yeah. of them as they went, you know. Right. So and I thought, oh, boy, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And the children know that. Yeah. The children are smart, and they know what the action point of the parent is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's another thing that, that uh, biblical parenting is very good about teaching, too, is, you know, what is your action point? It should be pretty quick, you know. And if you've asked somebody to do something, if you've asked a child to do something, and you wait expectantly for that follow-through, then, then there's no reason for you to pick up after them. Mm -hmm. they, they are doing it. Yeah. And we all fall into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, you're you're at an airport and you're you know concerned about your gate and your luggage and not leaving anything behind and all of that stuff. But you know, the children, I, I used to say to them, "Listen, I have so I have all of you to consider, and you." And I'd look at one of the my sons, just have you to consider. So you look after. If I've asked you to do something, or if you're you've got a backpack, or if you've got a a water bottle or whatever, that's your responsibility. And if each one of you takes that small responsibility of your own stuff, then that then I can just look at the big picture and make sure that the big picture works. Right. Excellent. It, transferring responsibility to the child that's right. is 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 for us in those situations, but it's mainly for them and in developing them. I know. All right, fifth step. Okay, the fifth and final step. Uh, this one, uh, the child comes first. Uh, the child is to report back. Uh, when the task is done, uh, they report back. Children, uh, learn what you expect, and then uh, you inspect what they've done. So expect and then expect inspect. And then inspect. So then the, the parent inspect and release. When the, when the task is done, you can say, okay, you can go now. You are released. 
And so that is a, a feeling of, uh, of uh, relief and accomplishment yeah. when the child completes the task. So one of the things that is um, important is when you understand responsibility, and this is something we're training our children to understand. When somebody asks you to do something, mail a package or whatever, and you have, then you have this thing inside of you that feels a little uncomfortable until it's done. Mm -hmm. And so we want to transfer that uncomfortable feeling to our children so that they understand that responsibility piece mm -hmm. and that they feel uncomfortable until it's done. Most of the time, kids are just happy-go-lucky and, mm -hmm. you know, it's your, it's your deal, not my deal. Mm -hmm. Well, we need to make it their, their deal for their sake for the rest of their lives. Right. So this is this is just the, the first chapter, uh, a very outline form um, of an information of the information that we cover in the entire seminar, mm -hmm. um, the consequences seminar. Very cool. And so, yeah, this is uh, it's very good information. Parenting is hard work from the National Center for Biblical Parenting. So where do where do you get these seminars well, what we like to do is um, coordinate with church leaders and coordinate a time for us to come and speak to the parents in their churches. Mm -hmm. That's that's our goal, and uh, we have done that successfully, and we're eager to do it some more. So if there's anybody that's listening that is interested in this material for your church, please get in touch with us. We would love to come. It's about a four-hour uh, seminar in total. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask how long. So four hours. So you've just given me like 20 minutes of uh, yeah. preview. Like a little taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a little taster. All right. And, um, of course, the keeping your sanity part of it comes with, um, you know, having your children cooperate and, and – uh, working as you say as a team because you know that really does help and it helps in the long run when they get older you know they'll have their little chores that they need to complete and uh, you know for example if you've got a dog and your one of your children loves playing with this dog but this dog has got maybe fleas or whatever and the grass is too long and we say to them okay well if you keep the lawn mowed then you can take your dog out and there's not going to be this chigger thing going on in your long grass you know you kind of I, I always used to try and relate it to something that would affect them personally yeah that's really cool Vivian one thing that we heard Scott and Joanne talk about last night at, at the or Thursday night at the seminar that they did was that the the concept of clues or cues, mm -hmm. you know, and if a child is a cue, if the grass is long, then the cue is you need to go cut it so that you can take the dog out. Yeah. That's your cue, yeah. you know, yeah. or if you've left something behind in a room, your cue is to look back. When you leave a room, look back mm -hmm. every time and see if there's something there that you need to bring with you. Yeah. 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 Now when I'm uh, at a restaurant or if I'm working um, at, uh, at a place, um, I stand up, make sure I have everything, and I double check and look to make sure everything's unplugged because how many times have we left um, <laughs> a, a plug or a charger back? That's right. Um, I That's don't right. want to do that. So the cue of uh, making sure everything is done is is the standing up. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there are these situations where – kids forget their homework when they go to school and, you know, text mom and say, I've got my homework. Can you bring it? Well, well, yes, no. consequences. I know, yeah. I know, I know. The consequence would be a natural consequence though. So yeah. as, as opposed yeah. to one that really doesn't have bear any relationship to what yes, the problem is. That's a, that's another chapter in this, uh, in this seminar. It's yeah. the toolbox yeah. of consequences. Yeah. And so there are 
nine uh, nine consequences. And the first one you covered just now is natural consequence. Yeah. So. Yeah. So is this a, is this in the form of a well you you say these these people that um own this company the biblical parenting company um it's it's part of some of their resources right Absolutely yeah. yes yeah they've written 15 books okay. and we are uh, presenters uh, for the National Center for Biblical Parenting and their special needs specialists mm-hmm. We've known um, these books for 20 years so they yeah. they've built a Wonderful ministry yeah. for parents. Dr. Scott Taransky and Joanne uh, Miller. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your webinars because you, you do a lot of webinars and you uh, make them available um, online for parents. Are they all free of charge? Yes, we have gone to now that each one that we do every month is um, free of charge. We call it no fee or no charge webinars. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got one on uh, reading. Yes, we just recently did one on reading, and it was, you know, five tips to, I think it was five tips, I don't have the title in front of me, but... Oh, um, four, four tips. Thank four. you, four tips, yeah. the math one. The math That's coming up, that's five tips, okay. Yeah. So, tip. to help your struggling reader to become a competent reader, mm-hmm. and I think what happens with uh, parents as they're trying to help their children in an endeavor like learning to read we don't often have all the pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So what happens is uh, they there could be something developmentally that's going on. So when we did this webinar, we wanted to give parents, and this is what we do for all our webinars, we want to give parents something that they can take away from the webinar immediately and work on and do that's going to make a difference. And then we also uh, reveal to them some developmental concerns that could be happening that they might want to pursue further. Mm-hmm. Whether they do that with us or whether they do that somewhere else, we want them to know that these are potential root causes for the problems that they see. Mm-hmm. So in this last webinar that we did, the reading webinar, we shared with them how important reading to your children is. And from a very young age, we are building auditory processing mm-hmm. in our children mm-hmm. when we read to them. And we're opening whole new worlds to them, which also adds to that creative mind and that desire for learning. So there's many benefits that your child receives when you read to him or her. And it's fun. I have read a lot of stuff to our kids. And, you know, it's all those things that you didn't get to do when you were in school. Yeah. And then you start reading to them when they're children. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look silly for you to be reading children's books. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. So then the other thing that we shared with the parents on this particular reading uh, webinar was encourage sight reading. Mm-hmm. We often get caught up in the whole idea of phonics, which is a good idea, but there are some children who are not ready to receive phonics instruction mm-hmm. because there's developmentally something that's gotten stuck. Mm-hmm. There's a hiccup there. Mm-hmm. But you can help build their confidence if they have a large repertoire of sight reading words. Now, there's some controversy around this, I know. But what we've learned in raising children who have disabilities, um, and especially our Josh, who struggled with putting phonics together, Uh, Building that, and Amy too, actually, building that uh, large repertoire, uh, reservoir of sight reading words. When they go and they pick up a book, there are words they recognize. Mm -hmm. And that builds their confidence as you're teaching them the pieces to phonics and putting together developmentally what's going on with them and doing the exercises and activities that will move them along. Mm -hmm. So then we, go ahead. 
I was going to say that um, as a family, we liked to memorize. We were in theater, and of course, there's lots of line memorization going on. And of course, we memorized Bible verses and Psalms, and they had their favorite books that they had memorized, of course. And um, it was always, I had, a, I had a, a son who wanted to do other things other than learn to read. So I would read to him, take dictation from him until he was completely ready, because I thought, if I'm going to force him, then he's going to hate reading, and I don't want him to hate reading. But one of the things that he would do was he would I would find a psalm that he knew like you know the Lord is my shepherd in um, the Bible or the prayer book that he'd memorized it from, and he was able to pretend he was reading, but he was actually old mm-hmm. enough to be reading because he it was memorized, and so he knew he you know as you're saying these sight words there were certain words in there that he would recognize somewhere else in another psalm or in another Bible verse that he had seen in this psalm. And he really enjoyed doing that because he really felt as though he was reading. Yes, yes, that is excellent that you did that with him because it does build his confidence and then he doesn't have to feel, you know, that low self-esteem yeah. is is unmotivating. Yeah. You know, why should I bother? You yeah. know, so you want to build that up. And there's a particular thing that we teach our clients um, it, when you're building, when you're building this sight word vocabulary, there's a particular way you can do it to really bring it in well for the. So you, you know, like a Sesame Street style, flashing those words without expecting anything from them. You just keep giving the input, 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 mm-hmm. and eventually that output comes, and then you can start testing. This is the other thing our society does. We test before a child actually has the material known right. and then get frustrated because they don't know it because we didn't really teach it well yeah. for yeah. that particular child. Yep. All and right. then the um, next step that we taught them in this reading uh, or that we shared in the reading webinar was about early development and hiccups in development that could be happening. Mm-hmm. So, for example, creeping and crawling. If a child doesn't do that, we've talked about this before on, on this yeah, show. Yeah. Um, if a child doesn't do that good cross motor, uh, gross motor cross pattern motion with the army crawl on the belly and then up on the hands and knees, it affects reading later on. Yeah. And most people are like, how does creeping and crawling have anything to do with reading? What well, has everything to do with reading? Because it's a lower level brain foundation that's laid so that the rest of development has a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we talked about memory, short-term and long-term memory, visual development, and health, because health is very, um, it really does have a big piece of the puzzle if our children are having difficulty learning to read and anything else in learning. So that was, you know, we talked a lot about the hiccups in development. Um, and then we also talked, because this is an important topic, about compensation skills. Um, the thing that concerns Tom and I is that often families get information about how to teach their children how to compensate. And while there's a place for that, while you're getting to the root cause, you don't want to stop there mm-hmm. because you have to work way harder on compensation skills than if you get to the root cause of the problem and really open the pathways in the brain and bring that to a new connection so that they can have a new way of doing things and not have to depend on the compensation skills. That's really what we're reaching for. So it, there is a place, but you don't want to stop there. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. So that's your reading. Those are your tips. I like the fact that you do steps and tips on all of your um, presentations so that the person who's listening is, is just has to go, okay, there are five things that I need to remember, these little little keys, and it can help you remember like your co- your um, cooperation um, consequences, uh, keeping your sanity um, seminar. You know, you've got getting close, consider the timing, give instruction, wait patiently, then have the child report back when they're finished. You know, that's kind of, it's so, you know, it's easier to remember like that. It's easier to jot down the notes when it's like that. So you're very, you sound as though you're extremely well organized. It came over time. I will say that I think when we first started out, we gave way more information and overwhelmed and flooded poor people's brains, but we learned over time. And we we recorded this uh, reading webinar, so if anybody wants it and wants to view it, wants to see it, uh, they can contact us. We'll send them the link to it. Okay, so that's at um, march4th.com? It's uh, uh, march4thfamily at gmail.com is our email address. Okay, okay. So March 4th family at gmail.com. March, March 4th family, and 4th is F-O-R-T-H. We're marching 4th. Right. <laughs> March 4th family at gmail.com. Okay, well, Tom, I've seen you and Amy oh, yes. on your little YouTube snippets. How many have you got now? Uh, we've done uh, two, uh-huh. and Amy's done a lot, but we decided to just do like a uh, Tom and Amy show or something. It's just a, a one-minute clip mm-hmm. of uh, talking to the audience. And the two of them that we've done, I think we haven't published the third one yet, but we're getting ready to. Um, the two that we've done got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's a father-daughter relationship or it's just if it's just Amy or, or what. But it has gotten a lot, and we want to uh, do a few more to, yeah. to see. No, that's good. It's good for just a minute because my, my son went to a podcast seminar here in town. He lives in California and he actually came in, um, it was at Fort Worth and stayed for an extra couple of days so that he could overlap with us for mm. when we got back from Florida, which was really nice. But he said, you don't want your audience to get burned out. You know, right. keep it short. Just keep it short so that they go, Oh, I can't wait for the next one. See what's going on, you know. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. So I think part of what's making this so attractive too is that uh, people see a special needs person who is really overcoming a lot of the things that she was told that she couldn't do. Yeah, and you know, and Amy is <laughs> Amy's going to do what Amy's going to do, and that's an inspiration yeah, to people. Sure it is. Sure it is. Well, Julie, Tom, come to the end of our time. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And um, the show will go up this coming Friday, which is the 14th of um, August. Gosh, I'm trying to keep myself straight. Thank goodness I've got calendars all over the place so that I know where I'm going. Yes, it is the 14th. Um, I've been talking to Tom and Julie Meekins about cooperation and consequences. And we've been talking about reading skills. You can find them on the website at www.marchforthfamily.com. You can also email them at marchforthfamily.gmail. Is that what you said? At gmail. 
at gmail, yes, dot com. So I, I'll going to have both of those linked on my Sociable Homeschooler site and my homepage on Toganet Radio. You may even be lucky enough to catch them in person at one of the conferences or seminars that they attend during the year. And definitely, if you want them to um, come and present a seminar for about four hours at your church, please contact them on their website or via their email. As I said earlier, you can also listen to their past shows on Sociable Homeschool on my site. Tom and Julie know that with God, all things are possible. It's never too late and there is always hope. And they carry this message with them, uncovering that silver lining wherever they go. Julie, Tom, thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you both this afternoon. I hope you have a lovely rest of the weekend with your family. Thank you, Vivian. Vivian. As always, it has been a pleasure. Great talk. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye now. Well, now for my cat story. We lived in an apartment for six months while we were looking for a place to buy and set down roots. A pretty calico cat adopted us, and we thought she belonged to someone who let her out all day. As she grew thinner and thinner before our eyes and the weather turned to ice and snow, it became clear that she wasn't being fed. So we began to give her board as well as shelter and sealed our futures although, as you'll hear, it didn't look very promising from the start. She spent the days inside and most of the nights outside on the prowl. After three months, she was beginning to look very healthy, and we suspected that she was probably carrying kittens. Since we had no way of dealing with multiple cats while moving into our new property and then heading off to Florida for two months to walk dogs, we took her to the shelter where the children had volunteered for thousands of hours as homeschoolers. A week later, she gave birth to her kittens and was given a couple to foster, so her paws were full as she tried to nurse four, five, six or seven kittens, however many she had, and we were assured that by the end of June, early July, she and her offspring would be on their way to their new adoptive homes. We almost forgot all about her except that Dortz kept popping in to check on her from time to time because she teaches some ballet classes over in that area. She would send me pictures of poor Callie cooped up in a tiny cage. I felt really sad for her and had bouts of guilt that I'd sent her away from the freedom she'd grown accustomed to. During the final weeks of our Florida stay, Dortz found out that Callie was still at the shelter. We'd been told that she'd be long gone by the time our return date rolled around in August, so we were surprised. She'd had more foster kittens to deal with and must have been pulling out her fur. Dortz was told that as soon as she was spayed, she could collect her if we wanted her back. She checked with me and I said, of course. She arrived at Footlights, a skinny wraith, needing to be fattened up and recovering from her recent spaying. So we got her back, or perhaps I should say she got us back. We've been home a few days now and she stopped hiding out under the furniture and spends more time on the bed and on the counters and tables and in our company as she used to when she first came visiting at the apartments. She's still very thin though, but seems very happy and apparently none the worse for her ordeal. My blue-eyed cowboy was quite surprised when he found her in residence, but he was happy. She's such a pretty thing and cats are so independent. It was good to have our oldest son Ian home and we had several big get-togethers around the grill and large range in the kitchen, 
We couldn't get all of the siblings together at one time, but teacher daughter came out to see us, and our married son and his wife had already been to visit, and they were up in Michigan with her parents and the in-laws. It was fabulous having the children manning the stoves for us. Whoever taught them to cook did a pretty good job. We took Ian to the airport on Monday, and everyone was sorry to see him go. We're too close to live in different states. He said to us, If there's a world emergency, we'll all meet at footlights, all right? I feel like the advance guard. We've secured the land, ensured there's electricity, water and food, installed the communication devices, and we're all set for whatever may happen. Dortz, who lived out here for the two months, said, when I told her what we do to the property will always add value to it for when we sell, she said, you can't talk about selling the place. We're inheriting it. It would have been a perfect area to homeschool in. But then maybe they would have all been chomping at the bit to move into the city. As it is, they all want to buy their own piece of land, which may morph into moving onto ours. Whatever the plan, I'm game. And that's all I have time for this week. I'm so happy to be back, both at my microphone and in Texas. This weekend, we may go and see one of Dort's friends in a play. I have some people to meet with and furniture to buy, although that's always going to be an ongoing process, and lots of lots of organizing and rearranging. I'll be back, same time, same place, next week, to so without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my technical director, Eric, my guests, Julie and Tom Meekins, and you, my faithful listeners, old friends and new, who make up my growing audience. Thank you. Thank you. When you hear the music, pop over to my website, thesociablehomeschooler.com, and leave me a message if you fancy joining me one Friday afternoon to talk about your homeschooling, unschooling, road schooling, or any kind of schooling experience you're having. I'm Vivian McNenny, the sociable homeschooler. Take care and be safe. And remember, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you there. Wherever you are, God has put you there. He has a purpose in your being there. Christ has something he wants to do through you wherever you are. Believe this and go in his grace, love and power. Richard Halverson Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.